welcome to episode two of the Leadership in Color podcast. My name is Jared Francis. I am joined by my good friend, Mr. Brandon Taylor. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm ready to jump in. All right. We're excited to be I'm back. Uh, first, we just want to say thank you to everybody who checked out the launch of our website, leadershipincolor.org. Everyone who uh, shared and gave us feedback on the article shared and um, gave us feedback on our um, pod, um, cast. We really uh, um, appreciate it and are excited to continue our um, project. Yeah, we're really thankful for that feedback and really thankful for folks listening. Feedback is love, as I always say. So it's really great to get folks insights and we're really excited to allow that to shape the work that we're doing going forward. Today, we're going to talk about the first part of the framework, which is knowledge of self. So Jared, take us there. What is knowledge of self? Knowledge of self is the first part of our um, framework because before you can start to lead, it's really important to know who you are, to know how the things that you've been through, the places that you come from inform the way that you think about the world, the way you perceive the world, the way you perceive yourself. Um, we really believe that that influences the way that leaders lead. And it's also important to be able to, to situate your own um, story within the broader context of the um, society at um, large. So knowing yourself, having that knowledge is really the bedrock of anyone's leadership practice. So Brandon, so let's jump in and learn a bit more about you and how your personal story shapes your leadership. Yeah, so I, I grew up in South Jamaica, Queens, which is a neighborhood that I know and love. Um, and Queens is, was always just a place where I was surrounded by just a lot of black folks, um, and where most of my family lived. Um, my family was very proud of who they are and very focused on ensuring that I saw black depictions around the house. So all of the paintings in our house were black and brown folks. All of the books in our house were either written or inspired by black and brown folks. My family was very focused on also my education. We would travel down south very often. My family is from Charleston, South Carolina, so we would go there every summer. Charleston's very well known for like a slave market, so we would go visit that slave market and just learn our history. When it was time for me to go to school, my parents uh, decided to put me in a program called A Better Chance, and A Better Chance sent students to independent schools, so I went to a school called the Trevor Day School. Um, Trevor Day School, that means like not in South Jamaica, Queens. Not in South Jamaica, Queens. I traveled an hour and a half by myself each day starting in seventh grade on the train and the bus. And what was the demographics at uh, Trevor Day School, for those who might not know? Um, I was the only black male in my class. Like in when you say class, what do you mean? Like the whole grade? The whole grade. Wow. So and I think that's something that you and I and our work come back a lot to. Right. This um, growing up in um, Queens and then having this experience of going to a elite prep um, school and then for college. Uh, where did you go? I went to Tufts in Boston. OK. And so tell me how those experiences. Right. Growing up in um, Queens, then having this experience of going to prep school and then going to um, Tufts, how did that shape who you are? My parents and my family were adamant that I maintained a black identity. Um, it was the center and focus of very many family conversations. Um, and so with that being the case, going to school, I, my, I had to, and 
was in many ways my parents like wanted to make sure that I maintained like my identity and I was proud of who I was no matter what space I was in. Um, so I in many ways was like had to be assured, I had to be sure of who I am um, in any space. Um, so I, I learned in, I learned in those moments to just be very brave and very confident about like who I am. I remember being in an English class at Trevor Day and there was a conversation about immigration and a student said that their grandparents came to the, came to this country with like no money and they were able to become very wealthy. And we engaged in a conversation about like, well, if my family was able to do this, like, why wasn't your family? And I remember just like being the only black person really in my grade who was like, uh, and I still had to be confident enough to say like, it is not the same for, it is not the same for me. It is not, my, my grandparents were not able to become doctors, lawyers, or own businesses. Like, so just being, I had to learn to just like always speak from my perspective, no matter what anticipated um, backlash or like lack of understanding there would be. And one of the things that we talk about in the um, framework, particularly in this idea of knowledge of self, is how does our narratives and how do our stories inform the values that we have? And then connecting that to this idea of values-based leadership. And values-based leadership really speaks to the idea of a lot of times as leaders when we're making decisions and choices, the answer of what's right isn't always clear. Choice A could be fine, choice B could be fine. And the way that you navigate through those is based on what your values are and being really clear about that. And something that I heard coming out of the story you just shared was this value of being brave. And how does bravery shape the way you um, lead? I think bravery shapes the way I lead in that I, I have to know who I'm speaking to and where they're coming from but that can't change my intentions and my goals. Um, and so how do I remain confident and, and assured in the values that I have and despite any opposition, speak from those values and speak from that truth? To me, that's what bravery is. It's just like going forward and, with your goals and your mission despite what um, obstacles stand in your way. And I think there's another piece of your personal story and identity that I didn't really hear you speak to yet, right? So there's definitely this thread about being a man of color, learning how to navigate white um, spaces, needing to be brave to speak from your perspective, to speak your um, truth. And then also during this um, time, there's also some other things coming up in your identity that sort of speak to bravery as as unwell. Can you um, talk a bit about that? Earlier in life, it was really hard to be brave about my sexual orientation. For a very long time, I was afraid to tell people, particularly my family, other black men, that I'm gay. I know that like if I can't if I can't speak my truth, then Others won't. And another value that I have is leadership. I have to be a leader. I have to shape others. And I know that uh, if I am confident and brave about who I am, then I can. that will encourage others just by my very existence to be brave and be confident and comfortable in their own skin. So enough about me. Jared, who are you? I'm Jared Francis. 
and I say that not to make a joke, but I think for me to start, especially speaking from a values-based places, starting with my um, name. So when I got married, me and my wife adopted the last name um, Francis, which wasn't the name that either one of us were born with. And we chose that name after St. Francis of um, CC. I'm not a particularly religious um, person, but St. Francis uh, is someone who's been inspiring to me because his life was about servanthood. And servanthood is one of my core leadership vow I'm use, and it really um, animates the way that I lead and is deeply connected to my personal story. St. Francis um, is someone who had privilege and then gave that up in order to serve other people. And my wife and I have um, a lot of privilege in our um, life and have dedicated our lives to um, service, and that's really informed by my upbringing. Um, so I'm born and raised in East um, Harlem. My family still lives um, here. We are um, from the West Indies, and I'm second generation. And so a lot of my experiences were around often being a person of color in white um, spaces, so very similar to um, you. I went to elementary schools and to middle schools that were predominantly white and being one of the few people of um, color and needing to figure out how to be in that space. My mom uh, made us travel really far to go to um, schools because there weren't a lot of uh, good um, schools in the um, neighborhood that we grew up in. But at the um, same time, um, my mom was a um, teacher. My dad was a um, teacher as um, well. Um, so we were fairly well off. So I had a lot of class privilege privilege. So I'd be in some situation where from a racial perspective, I was a I was, you know, in the my um, minority in in um, groups, but then there could be situation where I was um, with friends of mine in the um, neighborhood that I grew up in and I had more eco economic privilege than um, they um, had. And that was also something I had to negotiate and to um, learn about. And, you know, as I got deeper into education and like into my career, it became clear to me that I had much more opportunities than a lot of the students that I um, served and recognized that it was my responsibility to try and create similar opportunities for um, them. So I, I do take, I have questions. Um, I think I take issue with the use of the word privilege in our context um, for a few reasons. I think a privilege is something that is like a special right or advantage that's like granted to a particular like group of people. And so us being two black men having this conversation um, and the, some historical context that like we'll get to in a moment, can we really say that we have privilege or can we say that like we've had advantages that other people in our group don't have? I think mean, that's a good um, point. Um, I mean, it could be advantages. It, 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 it could be privilege. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm thinking about, right, something that I have to always consider for myself, right? So I had the opportunity or the privilege that when it came time to apply to um, um, school, I was able to get loans to go to school and I was able to do that uh, because my family had credit and they had um, things like that. And so we were able to get those to help me go to um, school. Some friends of mine who were really close to me weren't able to get those um, loans to go away to school, even though our you know GPAs might have been the um, um, same. And that's something that for me, I've always tried to be really mindful about and just thinking about there are lots of things that I've definitely had to over overcome, particularly around 
racism, uh, but also understand that there are opportunities that I've had because of uh, the class background of my um, family. I, and I think when we're thinking about our families and then thinking about ancestors, so those who've come before us, I think it's important to acknowledge and name that like there are things that we're able to do today that they could not. And so as you're thinking about how you leverage your leadership, how you act as a leader, how is that informed by what you what you may know that those who've come before you just didn't have the opportunity to do? It's about leading from a values-based place. And I think my personal story really informs this value of servanthood. Like I remember, you know, when we first met and we were, you were joining our um, team and like I said to you that my purpose as a school lead, leader was to do everything that I could to prepare you to lead a school. You know, it just is constantly on my mind. Like I am here to serve. That's really the value that helps me make a lot of the decisions that I make. When I think about how we use words like privilege or how we use words like advantages, how do we remind ourselves as leader that like we've deserved everything that we've accomplished? And how do we remind other leaders of that too? I think that's this connection to understanding your personal story within the broader societal and historical con context is that we are in, right? So it could be that you or me are in a situation because of like luck or because of an opportunity that another person might have had. Nevertheless, um, we still have to understand that that happened in spite of systemic things that are like designed to not let um, certain groups have those opportunities and have those um, privileges as um, you might um, say. And so being really mindful, I think sometimes can help you center less kind of the individual chance that, that, that you have and understand what that means in a broader context. It's also important, I think, you know, when we connect our personal story to like the broader um, world that we're in, it's understanding that even in our successes, right, we have to under, understand that other folks uh, that might look and sound like us don't get to have that same success and to orient ourselves towards widening, uh, you know, the um, doors and like kicking down the door so more um, folks who look and sound like us do get those opportunities. And that's really, I think, a um, obligation for leaders of color in general. So we've done a lot about, we've done a lot of talking about history so far. Um, I want to take us to today. So uh, one segment that we do each week is talk about our leadership this week. Um, so how have you this week um, kicked down doors for other folks who look like you? Where did your leadership in color show up this week? My leadership in color story this week comes out of happy hour. So Brennan and I, uh, we get to happy hour for our um, team and we get there and we observe something that we've been seeing at happy hour for a while on our, at our um, school. And I look to the left and it looks like a significant concentration of our black staff is sitting, having fun. And I look to my right and it looks like a significant concentration of our white staff is sitting and having fun. And we've been seeing this trend throughout happy hour, kind of been um, seeing it, you know, just in a lot of informal times at our school and just thinking about what our next steps are to try and uh, address that. And so for me, 
some actions that I took this week was just naming that for people in different conversations that I ended up in and being okay with the discomfort that came from naming it. And obviously people know it, people see it. It's a little awkward, I'm able to have a um, conversation about, but it's important for us to start to talk about why that is and what the implications of that are. And reminding folks that it's not just what the happy hour looks like. The implications really extend to what's going on with our kids because in the same way that, you know, folks might not be having that informal time, you know, I have to think about how often do I see teachers visiting other teachers' classrooms, sharing best um, practices across racial lines and different things like that. And so it's important for us as our team to start to see this trend that is happening at our school, be able to like talk about it and think about how we move um, forward. So I'm looking uh, forward to doing that work with the team over the next few weeks. What about you, Brennan? My story comes out of a conference I went to this past weekend. And at the conference, I noticed that I was just sticking to myself, not really talking to people, not really telling people um, what I was working on or where I work. Um, and I took a step back and had a conversation with a friend and um, the friend kind of rem- helped me understand that like who I was being at the conference was not me. Um, and that like, I love to go talk to people. I love to tell people what I'm working on. Um, and kind of connecting back to what we spoke to earlier that like bravery is just like a part of who I am. Um, and so after that, I made sure that like at the closing ceremony, I spoke in front of 2000 people. Um, and when I did that, I wasn't afraid. I actually like was very excited about doing it. Um, so my story in leadership this week just comes from remembering who I am and remembering my knowing who I am, um, and being who I am. Nice. Proud of you for, um, on that. Um, so we're going to close out. We want to thank you uh, again for checking out the Leadership in Color podcast. Um, you can check out the show notes for links to our website, leadershipincolor.org. Uh, please check out the article that we are publishing this week, really um, exploring the first piece of our framework and links to our social media as well. We will, we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.